three. Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchie, once again from Kimberly High School. Coach, what's new over there? How are we doing? We got great weather going on. Hey, middle of November and it's 60 degrees. It doesn't get much better than this right now because you know the cold's coming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it's coming. Absolutely, it's coming. Um, reminder, again, for all of our all of our listeners, please share the show with your friends, coaching colleagues, athletes, um, families, all those different things. I think we touched on a lot of great topics that can help a lot of people. Um, and again, I'm trying to help young people in society uh, as well as athletics. So please share the show. Dean, what do you got for Fox Valley Throws before we, we kind of get into our guests here? Yeah, Fox Valley Throws is going to start January 7th, Sunday. So right after the, uh, or I should say the beginning of the year, and that'll lead us right up until track season starts. That's going to be awesome. March. Fired. Where, are you guys, where are you guys firing it at? Uh, Little Shoot Elementary School. Nice. Awesome. And then again, um, our Sports Advantage, um, six gyms that will have our uh, Black Friday specials, including our Middleton gym. Uh, those will go from Wednesday, November 22nd through Sunday, November 26th. We'll, we'll be the special. So you can get your year-long memberships, everything like that. Launching the Middleton facility. Uh, did a walkthrough in there last week. Obviously, we talked about our Appleton facility is going to be backed up a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, we'll get that up and running. We got a couple really big surprises coming for that Appleton facility here in a week or two, Dean. So I can't wait to share those. But um, we've got a great guest, uh, been a strength and conditioning coach now for um, probably the better half of 20 some years. Um, and his name is Carmen Pata. Carmen, how are you? I'm doing great, coach. Appreciate you having me on tonight. Yeah, we're really excited to have you, Coach. Um, maybe give us just a little background on yourself um, and, and where you've been and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I uh, grew up in the Fox River Valley uh, in the heart of Oshkosh. Um, from there, I was, you know, I fell in love with lifting at an early age. Um, like many of us, just got in there. I uh, grew up watching like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sly Sloan, the old WWF wrestling and just needed to find a way to get to mirror my heroes there. And luckily I got um, sucked into lifting culture really quick and early, which helped me throughout high school. Uh, I was fortunate to come up to UW River Falls in 1995 uh, to play football up here. And after, um, after my career, I was, Hired on as the strength conditioning coach. Uh, I still remember the conversation with the AD. Um, he said, hey, look, Carmen, I know you're in, into this weights thing. I know you want to coach. Uh, tell you what, you can be our strength coach. You can coach football. You can do equipment, laundry, and teach a couple classes in the health and human performance department. And we'll pay a grand total of $9,000 uh, $9, a year. And like a sucker, I just signed my name to the contract and <laughs> didn't look back since. No, that's awesome. Um, and then staying at River Falls for most of my professional career, I was um, fortunate to take over the head role early in my career. I started off as an assistant and just picking everybody's brains I could stay, stay in touch with. And ultimately, 
got me to a point where I was a four-time nominee for the NSCA uh, College Strength Coach of the Year. Um, I'm currently serving on the NSCA, uh, their professional development group for college coaches. I'm part of their executive council there. And just um, trying to share as much of my knowledge as I can after being in the game for about 23 years professionally and uh, personally training and lifting for 30, 30 some as well. Wow. So that's awesome. That's a little bit about my background. <laughs> so, Carmen, you know, you've been in the game for a long time, right? And, you know, we all know that when athletes come, you know, from the high school uh, ranks, you know, they're going to come in with some deficiencies. Has that changed, you know, over the, over the years? You know, I mean, we know that sports has changed with the AAU and all that stuff like that. But I mean, like earlier in your career, did they come with certain things? And now, you know, kind of in, you know, this time frame, you know, you've been there for, you know, 20 plus years or, you know, or had been there for 20 plus years. What are some of the changes you see with like some deficiencies that high school kids come with? Oh, that's a great question, Brian. Um, I'd say across the board, I, once again, this is general, overall general picture, right? Um, most freshmen, they just can't handle the volume, intensity, and the tempo of college sports. You know, they're used to their high school experience. What um, most of the kids that I still saw, some had some private lessons, but a lot of them, it is, hey, I'm just going to go lift in the gym at my high school. And those high school coaches, you know, those are great, well-meaning coaches. A lot of them are friends. They're just, they get overwhelmed sometimes. And they're, the work capacity of these high school kids coming in, it's just not at a college level. You know, it's the same, same old story. We get done with the warm up. They're huffing and puffing. They're like, coach, this is the hardest thing I ever done. I'm like, hold on, brother. <laughs> We still got another 45 minutes to go, man. That was just, <laughs> and that, that has been a constant struggle and it's improving of course. Um, but it, it's just like stepping up anything else, everything from the high school experience to the college experience is a step up. And a lot of kids were underprepared for that. Um, you know, other deficiencies that we see, um, once again, this is a big, I'm painting with a broad stroke here, but our current freshmen, I can't say that they're weak, right? Because we got a lot of great kids who are throwing up some big numbers, um, but they are so, they spend so much time working, isolating like small motor groups, right? Let's talk about the shoulder, right? They're doing 80,000 exercises for the rotator cuff but they can't do a pull-up, you know, that has changed over the time where I think kids in the late nineties, early two thousands had a little bit more of a general strength level where now some of these uh, college athletes are coming in. They were so specialized in their training that they're missing some of that gross strength level. If that makes sense to you guys. Absolutely. So, Carmen, talk about, um, you know, these all these young coaches nowadays. They all want to be that head strength coach. And you were an assistant first. And then, obviously, you took the head coach at a, at a very young age. What advice would you give for anyone that wants to be a head strength coach at 
any level at the college level, you know, whether it's D3, D2, D1, doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I mean, first off, I think we could all agree that guys just need to get involved. You know, I sit there when we would be able to hire GAs or interns or um, assistant coaches, and I'm looking at resumes from guys just out of undergrad. And I get if you, you're playing collegiate sports, that's a big time commitment. But if you're not and you're applying for a job and you have zero experience in a weight room, I mean, it makes me really wonder how bad you want to get in this field. You know, it's you have to get involved. I remember early in my career, Dean, you mentioned I started off as a head coach young, which I was. I mean, I made a ton of mistakes. But um, I spent most of my off days in a gym, in a different gym, you know, just calling up my uh, very close proximity to the Twin Cities. It's about 40 minutes away from my house. Just start calling up coaches and, you know, either offering to buy them a cup of coffee, sit down and talk or volunteer my service. You know, the made a lot of calls asking guys I'm like hey what is the worst job you have in your gym and can I do it for a day so I can talk to you so I've mopped a lot of toilets I've cleaned up all that I've done folding towels just to be in the presence of other coaches so we can talk right because I think we all know that going to clinics is a great thing um, you got to go out and grow professionally, but you can only learn so much from a clinic talk. You got to spend some time in the, in the gym with coaches, seeing what they're doing, and then asking the follow, great follow-up questions of why are you doing uh, West Side versus like APRE, you know, and then you can start getting into the nitty gritty bolts of things. Um, that and, you know, young coaches, if they really want to get into the game, they need to be able to spend time with teams. Part of our interview process was we would have either a Zoom interview like this with uh, our student athletes, or we'd bring an applicant in themselves. And being a Division three program, you know, it's not like I could pull a kid's scholarship if he doesn't show up, right? Um, so we needed a fit. We really needed our assistant coaches to fit and our kids get it. You know, they, within minutes, they can, they know if this is someone that they're going to listen to and relate to, or if they're just awkward and are going to stand out. So, you know, getting involved early is an absolute must making all sorts of connections. And lastly, being able to publicly speak, Yes. You know, I know it sounds silly, but you have a lifting group of eight golfers or 140 football players. You have to get up there, be able to command the room, talk to large audiences and maintain maintain their focus. So does that help you out, Dean? Absolutely. You yeah, got. I think I, I, I completely agree with going and visiting coaches. I mean, that's something that Dean and I you know talk about quite regularly. We try and do once a year. Um, it, it just, you can get more personal. You can actually ask questions, you know, you go to a seminar and, <clears throat> you know, the seminars are, are great, but at the only, at the end of the day, you're getting the tip of the iceberg. 
you know, you're only getting so much, you know, and then you can only spend so much time with the people because you have another speaker talking and, you know, maybe they got to go somewhere and, and, you know, and then the other part too, Carmen, I totally agree with is like, this is a delayed gratification business. You know what I mean? And that if you want to, if you want to move up or if you want a job, like you have to do the things that you probably don't want to do. You have to sacrifice. Um, you have to intern unpaid, probably, you know, unfortunately that's just the way it is. You have to go, um, and be the first one there in the morning and show, because it's still a very competitive business. There are people that want, you know, jobs all over the place. And, um, I think that that's a message that, you know, we're a lot of these kids think just because they were athletes in college, that they can be a strength coach just because you played the game doesn't mean you can train it. You know, and at the end of the day, like, I, like I never even care. Like if you're a great football player, congratulations. You know, you may, you know, you just may have had a lot of talent. You know what I mean? So I think those are great points. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, when you're working with a sport coach, you know, head, head coach of sport um, thinks training should be done a different way than, than what you're doing. What are some ways to handle that situation? Because we've, <laughs> we've all been, that. we've all been in that one. Yeah, it, it really, <laughs> I, we're all laughing on that one because it's so true, right? Um, many of these sport coaches, it sort of get, you're sort of inherited as a strength coach. Um, and, you know, I love having the conversations. I really love those conversations with sport coaches because they're in, involved. Yeah. I'd much rather have the conversation with a guy or, um, one of my colleagues who was, Hey, I saw this on Instagram or Twitter or even Facebook. Why aren't we doing these things? Right. Because it's an avenue for a conversation. Um, I'd much rather have that than the coach who just says, all right, you got weights and that's all that they ever communicate with you. You know, part of your question, Brian, was how do you work with that? And, um, it's a fine line of giving the coach what they need from their athletes versus what they want, right? I always joked around that basketball coaches, you know, as long as their players are looking good in their uniform, you're doing a great job as a strength coach, right? <laughs> um, I've had those experiences quite a bit, but, um, yeah, of course, we got to make sure they're looking good in a jersey, but they also still have to run and jump, change directions, and not get beat up. Um, so a lot of the information and feedback, especially when we had a coach come in, take over a program, um, was just a lot of asking questions about what's important for you. What do you need your kids to do? What sort of style of play are you going to have? Um is there any, you know, in your past experiences, what worked well training wise with whoever was the strength coach, just trying to get as much information as I possibly could from those coaches first, before we even started talking about program or what we're doing, because, you know, ultimately we all have limitations with size, uh, size of facility, time availability, coaching availability, and coaching what you're good at right if someone really wanted me to coach their kids with yoga 
Um, I would be the world's worst yoga coach, but I'd try my butt off for that uh, just to help increase a little bit of that buy-in. Um, and with that was just keeping communication going. You know, at a Division three level, I can't communicate or I couldn't communicate with coach year-round. So when I could, they're getting daily updates from us of, um, hey, these are these are the athletes that just crushed it today in the weight room. These are the athletes that sort of hit in the corner. Uh, these are the athletes that had some injury issues that you should be aware of. Um, we give our coaches end of season reports, looking at the things that I found important, your ability to accelerate, change direction. Uh, luckily, I had the technology and tools to monitor those things with power outputs, body compositions, um, yet had all the fun sports science tools. And then it was a very objective list of these are the kids. This is how many workouts they attended. Here's our improvement on each kid and all of our performance areas, our key performance areas. I'm sure we all have a bunch of them. Uh, this was our expected change. And, you know, these are the kids that really went above and beyond and went two or three standard deviations above what we expected. And these are the kids that sort of fell back. Um, and then we could dig into the answers of why. And some of those coaches, you know, that really uh, brought them around to sort of our way of thinking and training. And some coaches still looked at me like, what do you know about all this stuff? You know, <laughs> I just, I want our kids to just squat and bench and power clean, right? They want the 1980s BFS manual ran for them. Um, and, you know, just being able to have those conversations, to have the data to back it up, because ultimately, you know, the facts don't care about your feelings. And, Either we got better, we did our job, we improved these kids' performance areas, or we didn't. And um, like I said, it's sort of a fine line, <clears throat> excuse me, of giving them what they need versus what they want. And at the end of the day, you have to accept the fact that you may not be the right coach for every athlete that walks through the door or every sport coach that walks through the door. You know, sometimes – they're, they just see the world differently, not saying it's wrong or right, but they just see it differently and you're never going to reach those people. It's the same same bell curve that we always fight, right? I'm worried about the people that are doing everything right in the middle and the people that are doing things wrong, at least from an athlete perspective, you know, as long as they're not coming to be a distraction, we're just going to, we're going to focus on other people. Nice. Carmen, as a head strength coach, what do you look for when you hire an assistant coach? Dean, I was usually looking for someone who's different than me, right? Um, being a one-man show and, you know, you, my background was playing college football. I competed in strongman and powerlifting, um, weightlifting as well. And, you know, for in a college setting, 
where we had about 60% of our athletes were females and about 40% were male. Just having someone that didn't have a shaved head with no neck and could yell across the facility goes a long way in meeting some of those people that are a little intimidated by us. Um, so starting off with that, I was trying to bring people in from a different background, right? Not, they still have to sort of fall in the mold of what we're doing and how I'm trying to do it. But, um, I believe that the best part of hiring people is that you're going to bring someone in with a completely different vision of what they've done in the past and they are going to be able to come up with some creative ways to work around some issues. Um, so that was the general statement. And after that, you know, I always looked for people who had a little bit different of a skill set than I did, right? I'm very comfortable um, with powerlifting style of training, very comfortable teaching strongman and Olympic lifting. Um, I joked about it before, but I was trying to find someone who had a little bit of a history in maybe yoga or maybe did some nutrition consulting and had a little bit more of a background in those areas, you know. Ultimately, you know, for a young coach who's trying to get into a specific group, I always recommended trying to find an area that you excel in that no one else in that area does, right? It's going to make you more attractive as a coach. Um, that And that's what I was looking for. And that and uh, Dean, I told our staff really early in the interview process, there's three things that are very important to me. And your success is going to be hinged on these three things. One, are you hardworking? And by hardworking, my definition is taking pride in doing the things that you don't want to do. I can't tell you the number of times I've had to move a 45-pound weight or multiple of them. And I showed my pride in that. Is I didn't just put it on the rack, but we turned it so our logos were facing the right way with our words visible, right? They weren't upside down. So you got to be hardworking. You need to be disciplined, which once again, my definition of that is that you do the things that you say you're going to do. If I say I'm going to be here at seven o'clock for an interview, I'm going to be here by seven o'clock, if not early. Right. And I understand things happen, but let's be disciplined with it. Let's be hardworking. And last thing, Dean, is we need to be candid. Um, not only with ourselves with our staff but also with our athletes you know when you're walking in one of our training sessions two words you never going to hear was good job right not saying we didn't praise kids but it was never hey dean that was a good job right there it's too vague it's too it's not coaching dean uh on that hand clean i really liked the way that you had your elbows out with your chest up and your hips back that was a great position. Now we have to finish your pull a little so you're getting long through your hips. So we're always very candid with our athletes, both in the positive and negative sense. Um, you know, Brian asked me what things had changed or one of the things that didn't change is our first question. Um, our, I think one of the big things that didn't change is our kids can't handle criticism. 
or negative coaching. And we're going to give them that of, hey, this was not your best rep, and this is why. Now let's fix it. Let's work on it together. So um, that is sort of a long story short, Dean, but if you can be candid, be disciplined and hardworking, you always would have a spot in my staff. That's awesome. So long career, obviously as a college strength coach, um, lots of ups and downs. What are some tricks or, or tips that you would give coaches to handling kind of the ups and downs that come with, with coaching? I mean, because there's, you know, there's good days, there's bad days. And then there's days that we all know as coaches that, you know, go to the left of, of bad days sometimes. What are some tips maybe you can give some of our coaching <laughs> listeners to how to handle some of that? Outside of like breaking stuff, <laughs> which definitely happens. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> right. We're all like, yeah, we, yeah. Um, everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> I, Brian, I mean, a lot of it, it's who you surround yourself with. Yeah. You know, being able to meet up with some buddies and not just, not talk shop, right? But, I, I swear some of these clinic matchups is what was the, all these conversations revolved around, what was the dumbest thing you've heard or saw today? And just being able to sort of laugh and sort of share in some misery together, right? Because it doesn't matter where we are. We all, we're all facing those <clears throat> tough, tough days. Um, so being able to have a support staff, luckily I, you know, I got two young boys at home and, always made it a priority that when when I got home, no matter what time it was, my boys were having the best of me. And it's sort of easy to let things go as you're wrestling around and playing with a couple kids, playing catch, running through the neighborhood. Um, that was always an important thing. Uh, be, I can't tell you the number of times my drive home got extended by about 20 or 30 minutes of just me blowing my uh radio out and yelling at some of the i live out in country a little so yelling at some cows and cornfields about some of the dumb things that i heard or saw or had to deal with <laughs> um that's all part of it you know uh i don't have it up in my sort of home office here but i have my wall of thank yous of just, you know, we all have those bad days and I had just, they're all filed away right now, but I had my list of letters and the thank you letters, right? That you get from a kid after they graduate that's completely unexpected or the wedding invites or the birth announcements, you know, all those cool things that there's no monetary value to those, but man, it makes you feel good yeah. to get them. Um, and then, you know, as much as it sucks, sometimes it is when things are going bad, it's trying to not be emotional about it and realize, okay, what is this me? Did I personally do something or is it the other coach who's just having a bad day and taking it out on you or whatever the scenario is, but you got to have support like said i got a great wife who's who understands what it means to be a coach's wife and understand that some mornings i'm not going to be able to get kids up 
and I'm going to go get home and it's going to be dark out and I maybe didn't get a chance to do bedtime today. Um, but you got to also have, you got to have a hobby outside of coaching. I mean, it's such a big part of all of our lives, right? The countless hours um, doing that, but finding something that completely takes you out of the coaching realm. Um, one of our, our rec coordinator, he got me rock climbing, which I am not the body type for rock climbing, man. Uh, if you're like five foot seven and 130 pounds, great. Good for you that you're the right physique for rock climbing. Six four and two ninety does just not work. Those physics just don't add <laughs> up. But it was really fun finding something that I sucked at, and you know I got to get out of the gym and put all that stuff behind me for about forty minutes every Friday, and it just made things better. So there you go, Brian. I hope that helps. Oh yeah, I mean we've yeah. all been there, right? We, yeah. We've all definitely been there. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. And having that support staff around you is key. And there's no doubt. And like I noticed, you know, through my career, just sometimes I think that's hard for sport coaches or, you know, strength, any kind of coach, strength conditioning coach to have those outside hobbies because we really have such a passion for what we do and we put so much time into it. But I guess, you know, we always tell the kids, get you know comfortable being uncomfortable in the weight room and i think it's the same thing here you with rock climbing you know with me with something else brian with something else but i think that's important to have that that outlet and also to be able to communicate with other people that don't know what we do on a daily basis because i think sometimes you know that's the best advice i get is from some people that don't understand what we deal with and they kind of see it a little bit different in a different lens that I think sometimes that's always helped me, you know, thinking, Oh my God, this, this person didn't do as good as I thought they were on their maxes this week, or this person got sick and they're, they're having a setback. And then looking at the big picture, somebody else, like my wife can tell me why, well, hey, how far have they come in six months? And then you kind of look back and yep. Oh yeah. So we just kind of get so you know caught up in that one little thing, and and it really doesn't really matter after the fact. Is what is the big progress throughout that you know that long term? So I think that's important. Get your edge. That's the name of the podcast. So we ask every one of our right. guests, Carmen, what would be your best get your edge advice to our listeners out there? Oh man. Um, first thing that popped in my head was going old school, man. Hulk Hogan, say your prayers, train, say your prayers, and take your vitamins. I mean, that's um, you know, I'm say that's not right now. Oh, that yeah, one. that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I know. I simple yeah. that just that's sort of the heart of everything, right? There, right? Take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. That's a great start. Um, you know, I sort of told you guys my big three things of being successful. And that wasn't just to our coaches. That was to our athletes of being candid, disciplined, and hardworking. You know, if you can master those three things, you have a lot of positives going for you. Um, you know, I'm a ferocious reader. I enjoy 
reading everything uh, that I can get my hands on, try to get cycle through different things of uh, something directly applicable to our profession and then something that's different, right? So going from, uh, not that you ever read super training cover to cover, but you go from a book sort of dense like super training to um, I have the comfort crisis staring at me right now. That's the next one up on my list. Um, being able to, you know, I'm a big fan of philosophy. I think so many people, especially in our profession, they have their favorite exercise, right? I got my favorite squat, uh, squat program. This is what I'm going to do. But at the same point, they can't tell us who can't tell me who their favorite thinker is. You know, to me, philosophy is sort of the, it's the frame that you view the world through. Um, Dean, I'm rambling right now there, brother. I'm sorry. I'm no, going that, off on that, a couple things. Training, but... saying your prayers, and eating your vitamins still may have been the best answer. <laughs> when, it comes <laughs> down to, when it comes down to it, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, when you're talking about getting an edge, yeah, no. But, now, Carmen, we really appreciate you hopping on tonight, um, you know, with the, with the family and everything and at night. And, um, man, I just really appreciate all you've done. Um, and, and are continuing to do for the profession of strength and conditioning um, through different things that you're doing right now. Dean, anything else for Carmen? No, just again, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. And, you know, everything that you've done for the profession is, is huge. Where do you see Carmen? Where do you see strength and conditioning in the next 10 years? Oh man, that's Dean. That's such a loaded question. Um, I think the three of us, we've been in this field long enough that we're seeing ideas get recycled again. Um, God, I'd hate to see sort of the Nautilus idea come back um, because I think we've made such big strides of having when we're training athletes, it's being athletic, being on your feet, changing direction, putting a lot of force in the ground. Um, you know, way back when I first started training, it sort of was like the Noah's Ark example in gyms. You had two of everything. You had two leg curls. You had two leg extensions, two chest presses. And that has cleared out. I'm sort of what I'm sort of concerned that that trend might start working its way back in. Um you know, obviously technology is going to be a big impact of what we're doing. Um, not only the wearable style technology, but that all the athlete interface, which is great and bad. I mean, um, some of the athletes I work with really love that feedback. And some of them are head cases about it. And, and well, coach, my, you know, my recovery metric was down today. I don't care. Shut up. Let's go. You got to still load the bar and we still, you know, it's off season. I don't care if you're tired and beat up a little, we got to go. Um, you know, I think we're going to see some, uh, it'll start on the higher ends, the pro world where the, um, specialty supplements will start coming around, uh, sort of what, 
the world's looking at with some of the gene splicing and sort of the genome technology being able to really identify, all right, what makes Brian different than Dean? What makes Dean different than Carmen? And let's really fine tune and tweak what um, supplements and nutritional products these people are getting. Um, but at the same point, I mean, 45 pounds is still 45 pounds. We still got to load the bar. We still got to push. We still got to get those kids to grind. You know, got into a debate with a guy on Twitter of the whole work smarter, not harder. Yeah. I think the problem there is you're missing the word and. We got to work smarter and we got to work harder. Especially yes. Yes. Agree. Yeah. So yeah, that's just, a, that's just a minimalistic attitude for, for kids to hop on right now. It's like, oh, well, I'm just oh. going to take, yeah, everybody's taking care of their body, but nobody's building their body. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to overtrain. Like you're 16 years old. Like you're a hard, hard time overtraining at 16. Now when you're 50, like I am. Yeah. You know, but I mean, there's, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, that's yep. going to end this episode to get, that's going to end this episode of the get your edge podcast guys. We're going to see you next time. Chop it.